You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it downfield wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Doing knew where he was going right away. How the hell is that, though, man? What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on tonight's show, we're feeling pretty good. It's another opportunity for a Victory Monday, and y'all know what time that means it is. It's time to celebrate a victory here on the Drive Time Podcast. 24-17 Dolphins win for the second consecutive week. They now have back-to-back wins to open a season for the second consecutive season for the first time since 2001-2002. I think that's pretty special. I think it's pretty special to get two consecutive victories on the road to open your campaign. And remember, because of the Germany game and two road games in the books, Miami only has five true road games remaining with nine games at Hard Rock Stadium on the schedule still. We're going to break down this game tonight, though. Dolphins over the Patriots. We'll hear from Tua Tungavailoa. We'll hear from Mike McDaniel. We'll do five takeaways to tell the story of the game, the stats, the play before the play, and much, much more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time. That's another Miami Dolphins. Yeah, we are feeling ourselves tonight after the Dolphins get their second consecutive win. And before I get into the game story and stats, I was looking at my storylines after the fact, and they kind of bared some fruit here. First off, I was curious, how would the offensive line do after that first week performance with Teron Armstead potentially out again? And he was out in this game. And how did Kendall Lamb play? Well, Lamb had a bunch of really good blocks, minimal pressure, and the Dolphins only allowed one sack in this game, which means two was being sacked a half time every single game. One sack in two games. I believe the quarterback hits number was very low. It was at zero in the first half. I do not have an update for you on that, but I'll get that for you guys on the Tuesday podcast because, well, it's late here, or I should say early on a Monday morning. And then how would the Dolphins fill in the Jalen Phillips role if he was not available? Well, Andrew Van Ginkle gives you that answer. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. How would the Dolphins attack this Patriots defense? Would they double Tyreek Hill? Would they bracket him and create opportunities for other folks? Thought that played out pretty well in terms of how the Dolphins attack this Patriots attack. And then how could Miami attack a offensive line of the Patriots who was down a couple of players, most notably their left tackle, Trent Brown. And then of course, Riley Reef, the right tackle on IR. And I think that Miami kind of checked all those boxes as you go down the list. Let's go ahead and talk though about the stats here before we get into our story of the game or the, I guess how the game played out as we go along the first segment here. Off the top, team statistics. Miami really kind of, you know, dominated, I would say, for the majority of this game. The Patriots did have one more first down, 23 to 22. They were more efficient on third down, 7 for 15, compared to Miami's 4 for 10. But the Dolphins outgained New England by more than 100 yards, 389 to 288. They outpassed them, 244 to 200, and they outrushed them, 145 to 88. That's on 10 less plays as well, 61 to 71 in favor of the Patriots, and total plays ran. Miami turned it over once. The Dolphins turned over the Patriots 
targets twice. They also sacked Mac Jones four times compared to the aforementioned single sack on Tua Tungabailoa. The Patriots penalized five times for 45 yards, Miami six for 46, and the Dolphins possessed the ball for 30 minutes and 19 seconds, which obviously gives you the Patriots 29 14. Miami also averaged 6.4 yards per play. That's right in line with where they were a season ago, and that was second in the NFL coming off a game last week where they were even higher than that. They were at 7 yards per play in the first half of this game, and man, what a crazy contest this was. As Miami not slow out of the gates. They went down the field and kicked an opening drive field goal, 11 and 13 play drives. And that's kind of where the story of the game lines up. We'll get to this in the takeaways as well in terms of how Miami attacked this thing from a philosophical standpoint. Actually, let's go ahead and start here with this sound from Coach McDaniel and Coach or and quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, who both addressed how the Patriots played it and how the Dolphins had to respond to the Patriots' plan of attack in this game. We definitely didn't assume that what was on tape um, thus far this season was going to be everything that we were going to get. Um, that was a it was a, a unique game plan that um, you know I think uh, guys did a pretty solid job of adjusting to the weird spots that the guys were in. Um, and then you know I was happy with um, a lot of the stuff that Tua did. Um, you know, but I, I think uh, that that forced throw to um, to Tyreek in the second half um, is something that he was trying to win the game after a couple of frustrating drives, and that's something you have to learn from. You know, you don't force the hand. Um, you know, but overall, I was really happy with how he. Um, bounced back from things that, you know, I know frustrate him. Anytime he's off on any sort of throw, um, you know, in the past, you know, that frustration has really bled into um, multiple drives. And, and you know, there was one drive in the first half. Like, was it the first or second half? Um, where he, I think it was the fir- one of the first drives in the second half. I can't remember. But um, he had a couple um, throws that he would have liked to have back, one to Tyreek and one to Jalen Waddell down the field consecutively. Um, but it speaks to where he's at in his game because I thought he came back from that. We had some operation stuff that we'll, we'll need to clean up. We'll, you know, there's, That's the whole point. And the, what I talk to the team about um, all the time is it's a journey. It's a journey of getting better so your best football is in December. So when you're able to not play entirely your cleanest football and get the win, um, you you embrace that, and we'll look forward to getting better from it. The Patriots obviously came out in the second half and had a pretty good adjustment for a Dolphins offense that, like I said, averaged over seven yards per play in that first half and 234 total yards in the first half. Cooking right along once again, but props to New England for coming out in the second half and really giving the Dolphins some fits on certain drives, a couple of three and outs, but some mistakes as well. Obviously, the interception that you heard Coach talk about there and Tua kind of trying to force that one in, which went away from the script that I thought he followed pretty well all night long to take the profit, take the short stuff, take what's there. And if you go look at Tua's passing chart, how often did I talk about this in training camp, how Miami was finding ways 
to be more widespread as an offense, whether it's the running game, whether it's taking shots in the short intermediate field, the, the perimeter throws that we saw Tua make all training camp, all preseason, and now in the two games in the in the regular season, if you go look at his next-gen throwing chart stat, like there is almost nothing in the middle of the field. So props to the Patriots for taking away Miami's bread and butter, but props on top of the props to the Dolphins for adjusting and finding a way to get multiple ways to win games on offense and as a team in, in general, which we'll talk about here in just one second. But before I go to Tua on Bill Belichick and the way this Patriots defense plays so tough, which, by the way, in games started by Tua Tungavailoa, the Dolphins are 5-0 and against the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and they're 23-13 and in general in games started by Tua Tungavailoa. But my, my note is this, because, you know, the Patriots have, their offense has not ranked as highly in recent years as it used to. And while, you know, that maybe is a little bit nicer than what things used to be facing a certain quarterback and head coach combination they once had with the weapons they once had, I'm ready for this defensive mastermind to not be part of our lives two times a year because Bill Belichick once again crafted up a really good adjustment at halftime to kind of slow the Dolphins offense in a way that we haven't seen in quite some time with this quarterback at the controls. So I want to go ahead and play some audio here from Tua talking about how that defense adjusted to the Dolphins offense before we get to our game story. Here's QB1, victorious 24-17, Tua Tungavailoa after the game. You know, that's... that's uh really a, a big big thing I would say for any Bill Belichick defense when when they're going out there um, you know you can see one thing and then if you hit an explosive or something happens on that you can expect something to to change in that instance and so how they defended one of our plays towards the ending of the game wasn't how they defended it the first three four times uh, they got they got adjusted we got a call and uh, we were able to go down there. And there was a play in the game that Seth, OJ, and I, we watched the game together before our post-game show on uh, local radio down here in South Florida. And there was a play where Tua got through the entire field and kind of scanned his whole read and then went to the running back and was looking like he might throw it to the running back, but he checked and, and double-pumped and went elsewhere with the football and actually ran for positive yardage. And we were like, that's the adjustment from a year ago that maybe you didn't see as much where he was able to you know, process what he was seeing in real time and really make a good decision right there. Not that he didn't last year, but we thought it was a different level of processing and football IQ within that moment. So good stuff there. We're going to hear more from those two guys here in a moment on our five takeaways portion of the podcast. Let's go ahead and get into the game story here because it began on defense and who boy, this Dolphins defense, man, they played their hearts out in this game. You get a couple of first downs from the Patriots to kick off the game, but you get a quick punt after that because David Long, and we saw the Blitz have big impacts in the game last week against the Chargers, especially in those late game situations, trying to stop Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense from mounting a comeback late in that game. And we saw Miami go back to the well on the opening drive with David Long and a little green dog blitz where he runs in there and gets a big hit on the quarterback to finish him up. And they originally awarded half of a sack to Bradley Chubb on that play, who had a, himself a hell of a game. But David Long showing some downhill explosiveness, getting a sack to get the Patriots offense off the field right away. And then we talk about the Dolphins offense doing what they do best, just getting down the field time and time again. Really efficient operation, passing game, running game. And I thought it was, again, going back to the Belichick defense and the Patriots defense attack, for Miami to just be so sure-fired in the short and perimeter passing game to get fly sweeps going, to find different options to get the, the running game and passing game going, I thought was a good example of vertical and horizontal stretch to put the ball 
really all the way down the field quickly and efficiently before we once again get into an area that through two games has been a bit of a rough patch, and that's the low red zone. Now, Miami's scoring points, which is great, but there's points to be had that are out there. And so after a couple of running plays don't go for much, or one running play, then an incomplete pass, you get a throwaway on third and five from the third and goal from the five-yard line where the snap is low. Tua has a hard time corralling it, and I think he might have had Braxton Berrios to the front pylon, but he opts wisely to throw the ball over everybody's head, get rid of it, fight to live another day, and or live to fight another day. And we've seen that a couple times from Tua now, which I think is a good takeaway as well to preserve his health and make sure we have him here for 17 consecutive games, which this would be, you know, we see this team can be when he's out there. I thought that opening drive was a good mix of how well his offense has played, a little bit of the things that have plagued them, the quarterback center exchange issue, the low red zone execution, and then uh, Tua being smart with the football and protecting himself. Then I thought one of the biggest moments of the game was the Dolphins' response as the Patriots were responding to the Dolphins' opening drive, and it just looks like we see it every single day in training camp, and that's why I love doing this job comprehensively and bringing you guys all the camp reports, all the preseason action to carry over into the regular season because you can learn the entire story of the team from July 26th, whenever the first day of practice is, all the way up till you know January, hopefully in the postseason, hopefully into February, where these stories interconnect. And we, every day in practice, Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, you name it, they get their gassers in, they condition unlike anybody really on the football team that I see. And I think they need to because those guys play in positions where typically you don't get major high snap counts, but all these dudes go out there and play 50, 60 snaps a game. And Bradley Chubb, to be a defensive lineman and a receiver, a slot receiver catches the ball down the field to retrace that thing and for guys to come down and force him to, you know, make moves and bubble and run around for Bradley Chubb to show the effort and have the conditioning to get down there and strip that ball from the backside was kind of a game shifter at that point and that just the way he did that and then for Deshaun Elliott to rake in there and get it away from the Patriots player really good stuff really good application of training camp coming to life in the regular season and off of that the Dolphins march 73 yards to make it 10 nothing with a touchdown and I thought that Tua's throw to Braxton Berrios on the back shoulder moving up off the spot, a little bit off structure, off script, in between two Patriots defenders, kind of that honey hole we talk about in that cover two look, really pretty uh, jerk route slash like jerk to wheel that, that Braxton Berrios ran, balls right there, hits it, big play, puts him down and goal to go. And then the Finns capitalize with the Raheem Mostert first touchdown run of the night, an eight yard rush and, and the Dolphins on this drive as well had a big screen to waddle for 27 yards on uh, second and 19 that play was from the plus 43 yard line that I think you know if we can add the screen element into our offensive attack it's only going to make us more and more dangerous so really cool to see the Dolphins have a variety of ways you know Savon Ackman had a carry for a first down on second and seven where he broke some tackles Isaiah Wynn had a big block on that waddle screen uh, Tyreek's all over the formation lining up at the Y position going across the formation in motion just to really befuddle the Patriots early on and they were doing that 10 nothing early on in the game they go back and get another Patriots punt another green dog blitz from David Long once again another quarterback hit Andrew Van Ginkle gets a quarterback hit Cater Kohu beat a block to shut down a screen pass for a loss so the guys are coming out fired up ready to play this game defense certainly looked like they had something to prove in this one as well then the Patriots defense responded as they are wont to do with a three and out forced on the Dolphins and you're going to hear McDaniel talk about this. Maybe he already did in that first soundbite, actually, with Tua getting frustrated. I'm pretty sure this was the possession he was talking about where 
Tyreek was kind of in a triangle of Patriots defenders and Tua put it in the spot between all three of them and it kind of looked like Tyreek had outran the window and Chris Collinsworth said as much on the incompletion then had a deep shot to Jalen Waddle where it looked like defensive pass interference but either way the ball was a little bit short and, and just off the mark in terms of the accuracy and so the Dolphins get it back to the Patriots who go down and get themselves a field goal and this was a Patriots plan of attack all night long and I think the Dolphins defense executed their game plan really well to create this because the Patriots want to play these methodical long drives, throw the ball short of the sticks. You know, last week the, the Patriots threw the ball down the field like barely at all. They had threw something like 20 passes at over the high line of scrimmage. Tonight, I think Mac Jones was 0 4. Uh, at the end of the third quarter, he was 0 for 7 trying to throw the ball vertically with the pick. And I don't think he got one after that either. Again, we'll update stats on the Tuesday podcast. But the type of game plan the Patriots want to play, we talk about it all the time. Limit possessions. It's the two minute warning of the first half. Miami had the ball just three times. The Patriots go down, kick a field goal after nearly getting an interception from Deshaun. Elliott driving on a play after Raekwon Davis had made a bunch of plays to stack the running game up and put them into a third and nine situation. Elliott drives, gets the breakup, field goal. Dolphins get the ball back and they do the old-fashioned double dip, or at least the opportunity to do that with a touchdown drive where they get a touchdown pass from Tua to Tyreek Hill, his third touchdown catch of the year. But we had a nice third and one conversion with Raheem Mostert where Connor Williams got out in space and made a huge block to create some space for, for Mostert to convert there. Tua gets Craycraft for back-to-back big plays for first downs. Then he has Berrios to put him in scoring range. And then the beautiful design to the motion Smythe away from the strength. And that creates a one-on-one situation for Kyle Duggar, who's an all-world player, but one-on-one with inside leverage against Tyreek Hill. Easy pitch and catch for a touchdown. They're just a lot to deal with as the Dolphins take a 17-3 lead into halftime. Then you get a three and out. And this might have been where Mike was talking about the frustration as well because we missed a couple of uh, plays and throws here. They get a sack on the third down play that winds up pushing the Dolphins into a punting situation, but immediately get a, a a return punt from the Patriots. And the Dolphins go down. It looks like they might put the game within a three-score lead that could effectively kind of put it on ice. I know it's never officially over, but you feel if you can do that, maybe you have a chance to really put it on ice with a defensive performance where the Dolphins just continued to take advantage of what was there. You know, Eric Ezukama had a nice run on this on this drive where he was able to turn a third and possibly 11 on a swing route into a third and three because he broke a tackle. Then Tua found Tyreek on a stick, which I just love seeing the Dolphins throw these little hookup routes to the receivers to create chances for them to make big plays or to convert and keep your offense on the field. It's a little bit more of what they didn't have a year ago. Now it looks like you have more options. Then you get the deep ball from Tua to Waddle for 32 yards, a, a big connection. They finally give him a chance to make a deep play, and he does. But then the offense stalls out and they have to kick a field goal and you get this crazy field goal block. It's just something that Bill Belichick does, man. They find ways to create opportunities in the margins and they get a big field goal block. But big shout out to Christian Wilkins for going after that play and tackling the fumble recovery because if he didn't do that, it's going to be a touchdown out the backside because nobody else is back there and Wilkins hustled his butt back to get in there. And as a result, you wind up getting yourself an interception on the following drive. So Christian, in effect, kind of saved you seven points here because we had Javon Holland, first of all, in great man-on-man coverage in the slot, which we saw more of that in training camp, especially after Ramsey went down of him playing some man coverage. And he right here shows you why, pins the receiver to the sideline, gives him no window. The, Dol- the Patriots would get themselves into the red zone, but then after a fourth and inches conversion, they tried Devontae Parker one-on-one against Xavier Howard, who has a vintage Xavier Howard rep where he pins him to the sideline, high points the football. He's getting pulled and interfered with the entire time. Doesn't matter. High points the ball, catches the football, taps the toes, 
Dolphins ball, 29th pick of X's career, and the fourth, tied for fourth all-time with Patrick Sertan and Glenn Blackwood in Dolphins history. Dolphins then go three and out, and that's three three and outs in addition to the two touchdowns and field goal with a blocked field goal. Uh, we get a drop on first down, and then we get a Mostert run to set up third and seven, but then feet get tangled for Tyreek Hill, and it's back to the Patriots, who then score a touchdown to make it 17-10, and then Miami looks like they have a chance once again to, to put the ball in scoring position and win the game, and they just couldn't do it. There was a snap issue again at this point. We uh, had Smythe for a first down after the snap issue, but then we had an undershot ball to Tyreek that gets picked off with good coverage there. Just thought to force that ball a little bit, like Mike had mentioned in the open of the show. But the Dolphins would get some offensive success later as the Patriots wind up going three and out, and then the Dolphins get a 43-yard touchdown run from Raheem Moser that make it 24-10, and you get really good blocks from Lamb and Wynn, and you get a really good climb from Robert Hunt as well as Connor Williams as Raheem takes off for 43 yards for the long touchdown. The second straight week in the fourth quarter, you get a quick change and hit an explosive play one-play touchdown drive for the Dolphins. Patriots come back and score a touchdown of their own to make it back to a one-score game, uh, 24-17. And then can the Miami Dolphins' four-minute offense close it out? We'll finish up with that next and the five takeaways on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal Personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. A little bit of a teaser there on the other side of the podcast. We're getting deep into it before our first ad break there, but Dolphins four minute offense. Can they close it out? Was my question here. They get Raheem Mostert for five yards and a hit on a defenseless receiver. Very uh, if he hit to the back of Waddle's head for 15 yards. Then you go Raheem for 10, another first down at the plus 44. Raheem for two, and then he breaks a couple more tackles to get seven to put up a third and one situation at the plus 35. You convert there, you're pretty much milking another minute and two off the clock, kick a short field goal, call it good, get the heck out of there, go to 2-0. and But we fail on the quarterback center exchange, which Tua after the game took responsibility for that issue. And then Jason Sanders is no good from 55 yards to give the Patriots a chance to get back in the game. But you get a big sack from Bradley Chubb to put him behind the sticks. A big game for Bradley Chubb in this one to get home. Incomplete on second and 18. Gasicki gets 14 yards on third down to set up fourth and four. And then we get the crazy play of the night where Mike Gasicki catches the ball short of the sticks. The Dolphins do a great job to stand him up short of the sticks. And he laterals it back to Cole Strange, of all people, who puts his helmet down, absorbs a great hit from Javon Holland and kind of runs over the top of that. But then Eli Apple and Andrew Van Ginkle arrive at the scene and hold him up. And you can see it clear as day on the replay. The ball is about six inches short of the line to gain. Dolphins defense does its job late, holds him up, gets the victory. What an impressive performance. And Van Ginkle was all over the place in this game. In fact, let's go ahead and hear from Coach McDaniel on Andrew Van Ginkle, who had himself a whale of a football game. Says everything, you know. Um, You know, I think... It, uh, all, uh, that's why all the off season is so valuable and, uh, Van Ginkle probably knows, um, the defense better than anyone because of his, the multiplicity. And that was a, 
um, a great move um, to uh, to get in front of, and um, you know, with with Vic, Coach Campanelli, Ryan Slowick, um, and Austin Clark, kind of identifying, uh, you know, the the varied use uh, or the potential of, you know, it's been instrumental for us and for him to be able to come in and uh, not just play, but um, be an impactful force um, says everything about him and really all the people that are, uh, that are around him as well. Like um, as far as coaches and, you know, it was, it was really cool to see that, but it didn't surprise, didn't surprise us really. Um, I, I, I figured he'd have a pretty good game. He's a, he's a really good player. Let's go back to Coach McDaniel here, who was asked how that game kind of felt and how he would describe that game. We felt the same way, Seth, OJ, and I watching the game, that it didn't really have to be as close as it was we felt. Here's Coach McDaniel saying something similar about how the Dolphins maybe got in their own way a little bit, but the best news is you come out with a victory. Um, Long. Uh, no, it was... Uh, it was a divisional matchup, as you expect, um, where those are hard um, to to really separate yourself. Sometimes you have the opportunity to, um, you know, in your mind, put the game away. But generally, against good football teams, that's not the case. Um, I thought that complementary football. Um, did exist. I thought the team played well together, picked up on um, each other's momentum, specifically the the Bradley Chubb forced fumble that um, turned into a 12-play uh, touchdown drive. And then the, uh, the defense holding their offense to a field goal um, before the half. And uh, then the offense making the plays to go down the field. Um, I think those are the biggest points in the game. And um, it was probably, uh, you know, you go and look at the tape. And um, I told the guys in the locker room that they're going to feel like it didn't need to be a nail biter. Um, and that that happens a ton. You're fortunate to get the win in that in that learning process of how to, how to, um, you know, make sure that that's not the case. Um, but overall, you know, a uh, on the road, um, prime time division opponent. Those are uh, very, very valuable games um, to be able to come up with the win. So I was, I was happy for uh, all the guys, really. So there you go, your game flow. Let's go ahead and do our five takeaways here and do the play before the play and get the heck out of here. My first takeaway, and this was more towards the first half, but I still believe it relates to the entire game and the entire team and the entire season because the defense they faced is very good. That head coach they faced is very good. And we still saw some bright spots in that second half. But the first takeaway is pick your poison against this offense, man. They play in that three deep safety shell that we saw Brian Flores and the Minnesota Vikings run against the Eagles in the Thursday night game that was really having a lot of early success before the Eagles kind of opened it up a little bit and found their success, especially in the running game. But for the Dolphins to be able to attack the short perimeter passing game, the screen pass to Waddle on second and nine for 27 yards, the fly sweep to Savon Ahmed to really stretch them horizontally to create that space and create opportunities to get chunk gains, to get short gains, 
to let guys run after the catch, to open up the running game, and to really force them to come down and honor that stuff to create more opportunities up top. The mid-red zone runs on the second drive, Raheem goes to the weak side with a good number count, and I don't know if this is a check Tua made or if he just stayed with it, but they had positive numbers to the weak side of the formation. Stick with that, call it, run the ball, go score points. you love to see that. Then you get versatility on the second scoring drive. Craycraft twice, Smythe runs from Mostert and from uh, Savon Ahmed. Braxton Berrios on that whip, re- whip wheel route. Tyreek the touchdown on the short pass after the Smythe motion. Whatever teams are taking away from this Dolphins offense, they're finding answers in other parts of the field to the tune of what I mentioned. 237 yards on 34 plays in the first half, seven yards per play. I think that also helped the Dolphins defense pull off their plan and really make the Patriots one-dimensional in the second half. Big part of that is the offense executing early on in the game. And then when the passing game struggles, the run game kind of comes to life. A 43-yard touchdown scamper from Raheem Mostert, who had himself one hell of a game. You got excellent catch and climb on that play from Williams and Hunt. I cannot wait to watch that on the All-22 and break that down. And then the four-minute offense, I thought, was really well executed until one single play. Could have been a nice little bow on the end of that game to maybe go kick a field goal, go up 27-17, call it a game, get out of there. Obviously, it didn't go that way, but still, you get the win. That is what matters. Takeaway number two is the defense bounces back in a big way, didn't they? My goodness, man. They were so good in this game. Late in the third quarter, they had 17 rush attempts for 39 yards in this game. And the Mac Jones was an 18-yard scramble on third and 15. That one kind of got under my skin a little bit, but still, the Dolphins allow just 88 rushing yards on 25 attempts, good for 3.7 yards per, or 3.3 yards per carry, I should say, which is a very effective day from the Dolphins' run defense. And we saw them kind of have a different game plan this time out, reducing the front with more bodies inside, bringing Wilkins and Sealer in, putting Raekwon on the nose a little more frequently, getting long shooting gaps and Baker shooting gaps at the off-ball linebacker position. There was relentless pressure all night long, four sacks. I'll get you guys the hits and the pressure numbers tomorrow. Chubb, the, the, you know, the pressure off the edge, Van Ginkle off the edge, Deshaun Elliott, really nice game after I thought was kind of a rough opening game for him, but the fumble recovery, the drive on the near INT and the third down and nine on the fringe of the red zone, you know, just Javon calling that big play on third and one to fly in the A gap and shut that run down for a three yard loss and force the punt team out. Xavier Howard doing he does best with his pick on that vintage rep. You know, Mac Jones couldn't get anything going in the vertical passing game, which speaks to Holland, to Elliott, to Cater, to X, to Eli, all the guys out there. And then we talked about Van Ginkle doing his thing, man. What a game for Andrew Van Ginkle and for Bradley Chubb combined. The two of them combined for 13 tackles for two sacks. I believe they had a couple of pass breakups among them and just overall really good production from Van Ginkle and Chubb in a game where you didn't have Jalen Phillips uh, to rush the quarterback off the edge. So good stuff all around. Takeaway number three is the end of half execution is just what good teams do. You defer the opening coin toss. You get the football back with two plus or maybe minus two minutes to go in the half. You go down. And the best part about it to me was the operation on the scoring play to Tyreek Hill where they had the 10-second runoff after the Berrios play went down inbounds. Just barely his knee hits the green part of the grass, not the white sideline. So they run 10 seconds off. And when they cut to the angle of the oper- of the offense versus defense, the snap, like the Dolphins are at the line. They snap that ball right with 16 seconds. You maximize your chance to run three plays there without timeouts with 16 seconds to play. Very good job getting the ball all the way down there. And then a very good job of being aware of the situation to put it in the end zone. And then the great play call and great design and great execution 
inception of the Tyreek Hill touchdown. So very good stuff there. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back and finish up this podcast with two more takeaways and the play before the play on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Dolphins victorious week number two, 24-17 in Foxborough, improved to 2-0 on the season, 1-0 in the division. That's a road victory in the division as well. One we did not get a year ago in Foxborough, so off to a good start there. And my fourth takeaway is how about this offensive line and running game, man? They looked awesome tonight. We saw, you know, Tua pumping the ball out quick. I had this stat on the postgame show that uh, 2.02 seconds was the average time to throw. That is lightning fast against a pass rush that can really heat you up with all kinds of games and blitzes. And it didn't really matter what they did. Tua just got the ball out fast, and it was actually the fourth fastest time to throw in a game since 2020. And going back to that same time span, it was the most average air yards per attempt at eight yards per attempt at that time. So the ball is getting eight yards down the field on average coming out of his hand at two seconds. That's great design, great quarterback play. But when they had to on true dropback situations, aside from one sack and the pick that got a pressure on Tua, they were doing a great job keeping him upright. No hits in the entire first half, obviously no sacks. One sack on the night, but the push in the running game to make the Patriots... You know, you have to choose your poison. Let me talk about in the first takeaway to make them, you know, pay for playing so deep coverage and forcing, you know, Tyreek and Jalen to not have a chance to run vertical on them. You have to make them pay for that. And they did with the running game with Raheem Mostert, with Savon Ahmed. Saw some Devon A-Chain in there late. Love the push they got, especially in the fourth quarter in that last drive when the Patriots knew the running game was coming and they still got the push. Let's go ahead and hear from... Mike McDaniel on the effort of Raheem Mostert, who we in the postgame show named our money player of the game. Here's coach on Raheem. Uh, he was hard to tackle, and um, I think that he that was a huge boost, especially the way they were playing. Um, you know, we, we needed the, the line of scrimmage, and you have to you have to take advantage of overplay. So if they're overplaying the pass game, um, if, if you want to be uh, a good offense, you have to um, threaten them with the run. And I told them early that, that uh, if they, they, are, they are telling you something when, um, you know, they're, they're, they're coverage first. Generally, defenses aren't that way. They, they felt good about their upfront matchups. Um, and I thought the guys were properly prepared and took that personal, and we were able to make some plays there that were instrumental. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that we've been building on and it was, it was, a, you know, that, that's an important, um, moment for the, for the guys because, you know, defenses watch tape and they're, they're going to try to evaluate how you've won game, won games before and not allow you to do the same thing to them. So that was, uh, their priority. And I thought, thought guys did a good job um and and there, there'll be stuff that we'll get better from too 
Um, but the guys were fired up to go ahead and hear from QB1 as well on the Miami Dolphins running back who had himself an excellent night 121 yards on the ground two touchdowns yeah that's a that's a testament to all the guys he's surrounded by it's a testament to Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, um, Rob Hunt, um, Austin Jackson I'm gonna keep naming them uh, we got Kendall Lamb, Alec Ingold it's a testament to all those guys um, with you know those guys basically telling us hey if you're gonna beat us you're going to have to run the ball um, by putting an umbrella over over our guys. And um, so it, you know, I, I, I would think uh, Raheem would say the same, but, you know, this it's well-deserved in every aspect of the run game. One more takeaway here after talking about the offensive line, about as good of a start in the conference as you could hope for, as the Dolphins currently, as of this taping, are one of two teams in the AFC who's off to a 2-0 start. You have the Bills at 1-1 with a divisional loss. The Jets losing their starting quarterback for the entirety of the season fall to the Cowboys in week number two to go to 1-1 as well. And the Patriots also at 0-2. Patriots and Jets next week. Always a fun matchup to watch there as a Dolphins fan. And then across the league, I mean, the Bengals and Chargers are two teams that I saw frequently picked to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. They are both 0-2, including a head-to-head win over the Chargers for the Dolphins. The Chiefs slow out of the gates. They'll get going for sure, but they are 1-1 and had a kind of slog fest against the Jags, who are also 1-1, and and they also had themselves a challenging game offensively in this one. And, you know, it means nothing two weeks into the season, but I think if you look at the conference as a whole and the more presumed favorite of the two conferences in terms of records would be this year. The Dolphins have put their best foot forward in the AFC that has struggled out the gates through the opening two weeks and have a chance to get to 3-0 next week against the Denver Broncos. So really good looking uh, opening two weeks here for the Miami Dolphins in terms of how they look on the field, in terms of how the conference around them has played, and obviously the only team in the division right now without a defeat. So that is your fifth and final takeaway. And the play before the play tonight is multifaceted. Braxton Berrios' 18-yard punt return was similar to a sequence the Dolphins had last week when Cater Kohu sacked Justin Herbert to back the Chargers' offense up to the shadow of their own goalpost. Tonight, it was Andrew Van Ginkle to get that sack. You get the good field position last week at the 35-yard line, and it's one play up top to Tyreek Hill for a touchdown. Tonight, it's an 18-yard punt return from Braxton Berrios and out to the 43-yard line of the Patriots. It's another one-play drive with a 43-yard gallop from Raheem, Most- from Raheem Mostert in a seven-point game with eight and change to play. That's a big-time play right there that essentially put the Dolphins in position to close it out late. So that's your five takeaways, your game story, and your play before the play. We're going to have the All-22 podcast for you guys either tomorrow or Tuesday morning. It's going to be, it's 2.30 right now, so we'll see what happens for y'all. We'll also hear from head coach Mike McDaniel and some players at the press conferences they do on Monday. In the meantime, though, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Winkled NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today and much, much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home.